Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Oh, it is the Matt Mosley Show. Well, Pete Souza on with us. Now we have Jim Howler. I mean, major analyst at ESPN, <laughs> women's games, men's games, all of it. And, uh, Jim, I'm sorry. Pete was all worked up about the Eagles and uh, that loss. And then I got talking about the Cowboys, and we went a little bit long there. But uh, boy, and then great he got, to... I was listening. Hey, Matt, I was listening. Then he got oh, riled good. up about Rodney Terry. I loved it all. It was good. Whenever you got Pete Pete Sousa on there, you don't ever have to worry about getting to me. I love hearing the rising star of ESPN talk. He's great. Well, that's nice. That's that's uh, that's that's nice. And uh, Pete is doing a very nice job on these broadcasts. And boy, we always love hearing from you. That was uh, and by the way, Mike McCarthy, Jim Mike McCarthy is coming back. Word goes out last night. Somebody wrote a statement for Jerry. You should have heard some of the flowery prose they were saying. Jerry said that in the evaluation, he decided to take a a holistic approach. And I'm thinking, Jerry Jones has never said anything like that in in his life. So, anyway, a very strange deal. But Mike McCarthy back with the Cowboys. Jim, are you a – where are your NFL loyalties – lie over over the years uh because um you're a you're a texas guy through and through but uh where where have you uh what do you usually watch on sundays well i'd re- much rather talk about big 12 basketball but if you want my nfl i grew up in dallas so i've been a dallas cowboys fan my whole life i used to sell programs sell peanuts popcorn when the Cowboys started in 1960, this is more than you ever wanted to know, but the old basketball coach at SMU, Doc Hayes, was in charge of program sales at the Cowboy games. And he had hired, one year I made all city in high school ball. He called one day and he said, hey, we'd love for you to get some of your teammates out here and sell programs for us. So, man, back in 1960, 61, 62, we were getting 10 cents for every program we sold, and, boy, we thought we were getting rich. So Cowboys have always been my team. How's that love... for going way back in time? And, yes, yeah, try... I'm old. <laughs> I was trying to think if Doc was coaching the Mustangs when they went to that fabled Final Four back in the day. Would that have oh, been? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He coached Jim Krebs and all those great oh, players. Coached against Wilt Chamberlain, I used to ride my bicycle. I lived over by Inwood and Lover's Lane in that area. I used to ride my bicycle all the way over to the new Moody Coliseum and watch them practice. And, oh, yeah, but Doc Hayes yeah. was there a long time. How, yeah. how neat well, is let's, that? Let's, that... Get to, let's get to the current Big 12. We got a lot I... to talk about. <laughs> no, I mean, I I like uh, all that, and, and I bet that was neat the first time you called a game at the renovated Moody because uh, yeah. having seen over the years the old Moody, and now they got a Moody Center in Austin. Um, you know, it is interesting how, how all that, uh, how all these well, things have changed. Uh, let me tell you, that old Moody Coliseum at, at SMU, I played high school ball in there. I coached. I played junior college ball in there. I coached junior college ball there. I coached major college ball there. 
I've been through Moody Coliseum at SMU for so many years, and they did a great mm-hmm. job renovating that. And by the way, you and Pete were talking about the Fertitta Center at the University of Houston. That's the refurbished old Hoffines Pavilion okay. from yeah. back in the Guy Lewis days. So gotcha. SMU, TCU, Houston, they all refurbished theirs. They didn't do like Baylor and Texas build new ones. Yeah, it would have been hard to downsize the Farrell Center, refurbish it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm not sure uh, how we would have done that. I used to go to that Moody, old Moody and watch you coach against uh, Run, Sonny, Run. Dave Peeler would have been shooting the ball for the Mustangs, and yeah, I was a little kid. difference maker. We won in those days because I had a guy named Vinnie Johnson hitting winning baseline shots from the left baseline, yeah. facing back toward the campus. Oh, I remember those days perfectly. <laughs> I mean, you, that was back, by in then the you... when, back in the <laughs> days when all the coaches were buddies. Man, Sonny and Alan and I used to play tennis together all the time. Yeah. It was a totally different era, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah you had uh, Teagle by then when I was a yeah. kid, and, and that was uh, – those were some fun games over there at Moody, and they, oh, they, they used get to rolling pack Moody there. Moody Coliseum, with yeah, they used to have nine, ten thousand in there yeah. for all those conference games. But uh, anyway, different times. What, you, what did you uh, think about talking to Jim Howler? That um, uh, well, I, there's two losses I want to talk about. Baylor at Iowa State, the women the other day. Now that was tough. That was tough because that the women's game, which you've grown to love, and you do a great job calling it. Every once in a while, there's one of those dominant players that emerges, right? And it's kind of like the old days. It's kind of back when nobody was used to like a seven-footer in men's basketball. Well, that that Audie Crooks comes out there for Iowa State. She's a freshman. She's 6'3". She's got, you know, her size. They, they, no, I don't even think the officials, as Nikki told me yesterday, the officials almost had a hard time knowing how to call the game because that that's an uncommon you see tall girls you don't really see people that you know that big right and so that was a tough tough loss and they did they did everything they could i know what nikki was trying to do at the end with getting the 67 girl in there on her letty that's tough though jim as you know putting somebody completely cold and hadn't played a minute and saying hey go play the biggest defensive you know, stop of the entire game. Um, I, I just was curious your thoughts because I thought it was such an inspired effort. They played so much better, but but that was tough. Tough to lose it the way they did, especially with some questionable calls and, and Asia fouling out like she did. Well, it was a, a great game. I thought the, the Baylor women showed a lot of heart in that game after the disappointing effort at Kansas. But that Audie Crooks, uh, Matt, you're you're on to something there. She is very, very tough to defend. Now, here's the shame about this, and the only part of this expanded Big 12 I do not like. We won't get to see how Baylor would adjust their defense to facing her for the second time. We don't play uh, – Baylor doesn't play Iowa State again this year. So I had the chance to talk to Tony Green today, and we were talking about the best way now to defend Audie Crooks. And uh, uh, certainly I hope they meet in the Big 12 tournament in March. But you're right, that young lady is something else, and uh, I think it's going to be fun. That's a good young team, and they've got some uh, really talent there. So 
they yeah. they lost. I believe it was last night, but uh, they're 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 really good. And uh, this Baylor team, what's going to be interesting to see how they come back in these two big home games Saturday and Monday against UCF and Kansas State. Kansas State number seven in the nation now. Yeah, that's going to be a big big challenge with Aoka Lee, their six six center. I'm always lobbying for more for Yaya. And by the way, I don't do it behind Nikki's back. I When she's on with me, I lobby. I, you know, and again, she's the one at practice. You did it for years. You were people would second guess you, I'm sure. But you were the one that saw them day to day, every single day. But it's just like, Jim, when I watch her, she does uncommon things. Not only is she fast and can shoot. But, like, her passing is not what you're used to seeing in the women's game. Not that, that, that they have Odyssey and others haven't been great passers. Nina, whoever you want to bring up, uh, Dee. But she does stuff that you just don't see a lot in the women's game in terms of seeing stuff before it develops and just delivering the ball like she does. So, again, I, I find myself just constantly – wanting to see more of her, and then honestly being kind of frustrated when she doesn't play for almost an entire half in Ames. Because to me, she's a difference maker. Well, I've said on a telecast this year that you can count me as president of the Yaya Felder fan club. All right. <laughs> how much I like her. I look, yeah. here's the thing about it. She is an energizer bunny when she goes in. But now, Matt, here's the deal. This Big 12 conference, both men and women, have such great coaches. You get into conference play, you've got all the scouting reports on every game that's been played. These teams now are defending Yaya totally different than we saw in non-conference. So they're taking away some of her strong suits and forcing her to do some things that she's still got to work on that maybe the average person won't really notice what's happening. But Iowa State, for example, was playing that zone defense, and she's really better against teams that are playing primarily man-to-man. So I I think you're going to continue to see Yaya a lot. But these defenses and these coaches now that make these strategic moves in their their, uh, scouting reports, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Nikki said she wished she had pulled the trigger on that three which I thought was interesting because she's really good at driving, but Crooks was down there, and it obviously altered what she was trying to accomplish on that drive uh, at the end of the game. So I thought that was interesting. Nikki thought she had an open three from the corner, and she should have just pulled the trigger on it. So uh, you never know. Let's move on to the Baylor men. Jim, that's a game you don't go into the game. You think, well, if you lose there, that's not the end of the world. But when you watched it play out, it did kind of feel like the end of the world after the game because you take 22 more shots than them, you get 23 offensive rebounds to their nine. So, and of course, you didn't shoot the ball well at all. But, but I mean, there were so many. It just felt like both in regulation and overtime, you had the game. You, you know, you're right there. The game's within your grasp, and both times they let it get away from them. Um, you know, kind of for different reasons, but Jim, that to me, that was, that's one you'll look back on and maybe we won't even, we'll move on with our lives and maybe it won't be that big of a deal. But right now it kind of feels like a big deal because you'd be four and O and, and quite honestly, you controlled that game 
and to to me, you 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 just you outplayed them, even though you didn't shoot the ball worth the flip. Well, you're right, and the key to this thought is that if they had pulled that game out, they would be the only undefeated men's team in the Big 12 right now. So certainly yes. that's a haunting thought. But here's the thing. When you go on the road, look at this time last week, University of Houston was number two in the nation. Then they go on the road and lose to two really lesser teams than K-State, lose two in a row. Uh, they'll adjust. They have to come back. But your wording is for it perfect Matt those that was a winnable game Tuesday night for the Bears in Manhattan be up by six with a minute and a half to go then being back up in overtime but there were really if you want to be honest about it there were silly fouls bad free throw shooting some things that can really come back to haunt you I never thought K-State would be able to beat Baylor with the number of turnovers they had but the key to all this, it's over. You learn from it. You hope you don't have a shooting night like that again. But here's the key to my thinking. As good as Baylor is, they're so perimeter dependent. They ha- All their plays basically are running through the guards on the perimeter. There's very little just true post-up action to get it to Misi or anybody down on the block. Now, yeah, they get scores on – putbacks and things of that nature. But Baylor, we saw what happened when they had an off-shooting night. There's not many opportunities in the paint off of their offense if they aren't able to penetrate in there off the dribble. And that's hard to do against a defense like K-State. But anyway, the key is how do they come back now and play at Austin on Saturday? Now, you're going against a team that's really reeling. Texas has already lost three games Mm -hmm. in conference play. They're going to be tight. How did the Bears come back at 11 o'clock Saturday morning? That's the big thing. I mean, I I just hope none of our players, Jim, flash one of those horns down. I mean, it could, that could send Rodney <laughs> into therapy. My well, goodness. You know, here's the thing about it. I think Pete and you were both discussing that a while ago. There's a lot of pressure in that situation down there, and I'm sure Rodney was upset after the game. I've known him for a long time. I knew him when he was assistant here. That's not his normal nature, but crazy things happen in the tense moments after a game, and I'm sure he regrets that. But uh, you've got to be a little bit bigger than the situation when those kind of things come up. And uh, there's a whole lot of things, things worse in life than getting the horns down thrown at you, I can tell you that. Yeah, I, I... – Texas people can't think of any of those right now. They they seem to take <laughs> well, it. The, they seem to take it to heart. But uh, boy, the great news though, the Bears uh, even that hated that loss. But wasn't that cool the other day for, that they signed or got the commitment from VJ Hedgecomb? I have to say, I took it personally when Trey Johnson picked Texas over Baylor because I know that kid and know his family, know his dad. I'm sure you met his dad over the years. They, that's a great that's a great player, and Baylor really wanted him and recruited him for a long time and didn't get him. But to be able to pivot and get Hedgecomb, I mean, that's 
That's howler-like stuff back in the day when you were bringing man, in all those let me tell you, guards. Man, I'm a, yeah. I, I, I did the TV work on the 6A state championship game last year from the Alamo Dome, so I just got a good look at Trey Johnson up close and personal. He is a great player, but Baylor just came right back, like you say, and, and just got a commitment from a player that's ranked even higher or just as high. And here's yeah. what's really unusual about this year's recruiting for Baylor. With Edgecombe, they've now got signed our commitments from the number one rated player in New York, the number one rated player from Pennsylvania, and the number one rated player from Arizona. Who would have ever thought that was happening in Waco, Texas, in a sport that's supposed to be a big city urban type sport? And here we are, Scott Drew and his staff recruiting that kind of talent. That's just unbelievable. All right, all right. Take a peek over at your old stomping grounds, by the way, at uh, MCC. There's a player over there from my hometown, Kaufman, that was a football player at SMU, and he's now seems to be like one of the top scorers for MCC. I think his name's Dalen Dickerson, and yes, I've been he's wanting very to... good. I loved I love to go out to MCC and uh, okay, uh, Coach Gill and all that group out there. My old my old players carlos briggs is an assistant out there so uh yeah it's fun and i'll go i didn't realize he was from kaufman i'll watch him a little closer all you famous people from kaufman i like to know them i'll go introduce myself yeah it's a metroplex (laughs) location with the country charm all right you got it man that's our you're the the president of the chamber of commerce for kaufman right Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the former <laughs> Baylor players used to actually be the Chamber of Commerce manager in Kaufman, Roy Nash, who played oh, sure. for the Bears in the late yeah. 60s. He was at Kaufman circa 1971 or something like that, 72, like right out of school, and he was the chamber manager there in Kaufman, Texas, before be moving back to Waco. you something I didn't know, but, Matt, oh, yeah. always good to visit with you and Aaron. Take care, and I'll see you at the uh, Foster Pavilion. I'll uh, be vibrating from all that uh, bass from those woofers. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd get that in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, thanks, Coach. There he goes. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Uh, Jim Howler. <laughs> The woofers, perhaps the uh, sound system. Uh, Jim's still kind of getting used to that after all those years at the Farrell Center. Of course, he was at the HOT. Not even sure we had a sound system over there. I think they just brought a boom box out there, and uh, and that's how they did it. All right, Aaron, we have reached, and we've had some fun guests. Pete and Jim, back-to-back. My gosh, we may need to share some of that in the 5 o'clock hour. They were so good. Um, Let's get into some Campus Confidential. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Uh, and, Aaron, I saw where people are thinking Kirby Smart was up to something. Did Kirby know something about Nick Saban? Campus Confidential is next. Baylor Women's Basketball on 104.9 FM with Derek Smith and Lori Fogelman. Baylor women back in action Saturday in Foster Pavilion hosting UCF in Big 12 play. 1.30 for the countdown to tip-off. 2 p.m. tip-off Saturday on 104.9 FM. Tune into Baylor women's basketball on 104.9 FM. 